Good evening and welcome to The Journey Church. It's my pleasure to be with you tonight. We are continuing our study in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, as we talk about the flesh and the spirit. Uh, if you'll join me there, let's begin with verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkard, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So tonight we, are, we have been moving through this text over the last several weeks, and we come to what is known as uh, uh, the interactions of the law of love, or I'm sorry, the infractions of the law of love, the infractions of the law of love, and there's three parts to it, that deal with eight sins, and the first one deals with the first two, the sin of hatred and contentions, as we see here in verse 20. So we're, we're basically looking at life in the Spirit, but our study really has to do tonight with works of the flesh, works of the flesh that are found here specifically in these three verses, 19 through 21, and in, instead of focusing on the whole large group all at once, I want to take time to really go through these things carefully and methodically so that we really understand what the biblical writer is trying to tell us. And it is definitely uh, overwhelmingly infractions of the law of love. You know, love your, love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments, and in them is fulfilled all the commandments of the Scripture. Well, um, there are eight sins that are listed here. They are hatred, contentions, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, and envy. The one that I can't wait to talk about is heresies, but uh, we'll get to that in about two weeks from now. Many people find it hard to conceive that these eight sins really are that terrible especially when you consider what we're seeing in our modern-day society and how that we are so tolerant of these things in our society and, and for some seem powerless to do anything about it. There was a news clipping 20 years ago, I'm sorry, 40 years ago from the Orlando Sentinel. I was nine years old when this was written, and uh, it is from... Uh, January 7th, 1981, and uh, it is entitled, Pope Widens Sin's Definition. Now, I'm not a papist. Um, I, am, I am not a, a follower of, of the Roman See, the Roman Church, in any form or fashion. But uh, this is absolutely incredible that the headline was, Pope widens sin's definition. And this is what the article says, and I quote, 
Pope John Paul II said today that sins of the flesh are not limited to fornication, orgies, and drunkenness, but include idolatry, jealousy, envy, and unfriendliness. The, people made, the Pope made the remarks to his weekly general audience at the Vatican, his forum for the past 14 months, on the subject of sex and sin. In his latest discussion on the subject, the Pope cited St. Paul, or Paul the Apostle, the first century apostle, as giving Christianity a very wide definition of sins of the flesh. It is significant that when Paul speaks about the works of the flesh, he mentions only fornication, impurity, uh, liberantage, drunkenness, and orgies, which are sins of sensual pleasure the Pope said, but also speaks of, of other sins which we are not accustomed to attribute a carnal and sensual character. Idolatry, witchcraft, unfriendliness, discord, jealousy, dissents, divisions, factionalism, and envy. Well, the paper makes it sound like the Pope is declaring something new. That's kind of how I read it that all the way back then, 40 years ago, somehow the Pope is declaring some kind of new teaching, but the Pope himself is simply stating what Paul taught in the very passage that we're studying. And we've been here for some time. Indeed, it's said of immorality and drunkenness is also said of these eight sins. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now look, that's what it says. And I, I have always taught because I have always believed the Bible means what it says and it says what it means. So we just take it for what it says. Therefore, there is a great need to be informed of what these sins are in detail. In detail, and if, if you want detailed preaching, you have turned into the right place. And to make a concentrated effort on, to put them out of our lives. And that's what we're to do together. That's the purpose of, of spending our time learning these things so that we can get rid of them in our life. So we're going to look at the first two sins, hatred and uh, contentions. So number one, we, we're going to start with a Greek word. It's ekthra, ekthra, E-C-H-T. H-R-A, ekthra. It means enmities or hatred. Enmities, E-N-M-I-T-I-E-S. Enmities or hatred. So the word defined is closely related to the word ekthros, which is the Greek word for enemy. So you have the word ekthra, which means enmity, hatred, and ekthros, which means enemy. That's important, at least important to me, because they're so similar. Well, what do enemies have in common? Hatred. And what do they have in common? Enmity. And so here's the idea. Ekthra means enmity, hatred, but you can write this also down. It means hostility. Hostility. Notice how it is used. Jesus uses it, for example, in Luke chapter 23, verse 12. And he says, they had been at enmity with each other. There's an example of Jesus using it. Romans 8, verse 7, the carnal mind, 
the worldly mind, is at enmity against God. Ekthra, enmity. The carnal mind is hostile. It is at enmity. It is hatred against God. That's the worldly mind. Now that's, again, this is, this is inspired text. This is what the Bible tells us. In James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Ekthra is hostility, is hatred, is enmity with God. It is used to describe enmity or hostility between social classes. We see this today in America. We see this today all over the world where, have, have you ever noticed, I, I certainly have in my world travels, that wherever I go, there is always a group of those people. Every culture has those people. And, and you just can think about your own culture of who those people are. And uh, there's enmity, there's hostility, there's hatred going on between them, between social classes, between the haves and the have-nots. How about um, the, uh, the uh, what we call races, um, you know, ethnicity. I, I personally... Uh, so you understand, I'm, I'm part of the human race. There's just different ethnicities in the human race. Unfortunately, those ethnicities are called races. And uh, so I know you know what I'm talking about when I say it, but there is enmity that is, exists between Greeks and barbarians, Jews and Gentiles, blacks and whites, Turks and Germans, uh, um, uh, Hutus and Tutsis, there's all kinds of, of enmity between, between uh, ethnic groups, uh, um, Serbians and Croatians. It's just, it goes on and on. Turks and Armenians, um, Cossacks and Russians and Chechnyans and all of those kind of things. Um, there's enmity between man and man. It exists where there is hostility for one reason or another. And that's specifically what this text is trying to avoid is hostility between uh, people. And then it describes the state or the attitude of mind towards other people, which involves barriers between them and you. So that's, that, that's a, you know, this is a very potent word. Ekthra, enmity, hostility, hatred. And it says in this text, the works of the flesh which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, ekthra, hostility, enmity. Listen, listen. If there is a sword standing between you and another person, you need to pay careful attention to this text because it's dealing with you. And I'm, and I'm hopefully going to give you a solution how to turn that sword into a plowshare why this sin is contrary to the Christian life. This is the second thing I want to say about why is this sin contrary to the Christian life? Because Jesus removed, listen to me, Jesus removed the barriers that separate men from one from another. He separated the barriers between what separated men from one another. I'm going to turn over here to the right to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. And it says right here in the text, if I can find the 13. But 
Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, ekthra, that is the law of the commandments contained in the ordinance so, that to, so as to create in Himself one, not multiple, one new man from the two thus making peace and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the ekthra, putting to death the enmity, the hostility, and the hatred. And so it is true that He died to reconcile us back to God. That's not in dispute. But it is just as true that He, dis he died to reconcile us back to man. He died to reconcile us back to each other. As we grow in Christ, we are to be so renewed in Him that the distinctions lose their meaning. Go over here to Colossians chapter 3. Turn over to the right, two books. Past Philippians and you're in Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, it says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, but have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. What a wonderful wonderful command with a beautiful promise. So as we grow in Christ, we're also able to be renewed. And when we are at enmity with one another, we undo the work of Christ on the cross and in our lives. It's just, it's just that plain and simple. So because Jesus died to remove the barriers that separate men from one another, um, enmity, therefore, is the direct opposite of love. It's the direct opposite of love. The idea of love that's mentioned in the Scripture is agape love. That is unconditional love. Uh, it's divine love. Okay? And so agape is an attitude of the mind which will never allow itself to be bitter to one man, to any man, always seeking the highest good of others. That's agape. Now let's juxtapose it to ekthra, the opposite, the complete opposite. It's the attitude that puts up barriers and draws the sword of division. When we allow the work of the flesh to rule, for example, the enmity, hatred, hostility, we cannot allow the Spirit to produce the proper fruit in our lives, one of them which is love. Okay? So it's a very powerful word. The sin of enmity, the sin of hostility, the sin of hatred involves any sort of hostility or prejudice towards others, as such as it has no place in the life of the Christian. You have to remember that when you get offended, you need to, if, if, if well, <laughs> First of all, you have to choose it. You have to choose to be offended. But if you have gotten to be offended, you need to remember to be offended at what the offense is, not necessarily the offender. And this is particularly true in the life of Christian brothers and sisters. We are, we are never admonished 
uh, to not bear with one another. And sometimes, you know, we don't have to say everything we're thinking. We don't need to tell everybody um, how something has affected us in private. Then we don't have to make it in public. I've always taught, for example, in Galatians chapter 2, you have a picture of Paul going into uh, uh, see the apostle Peter and Peter is sitting at a table with with a bunch of Gentiles eating Gentile food and the men of James from Jerusalem church come in and Peter gets up and he goes and sits down with the Jews and has nothing to do with the Gentiles and Paul rebukes him openly because his sin was public but if there is an issue that has happened with you in private that your offender doesn't even know about you're to deal with it in private you may very much well shipwreck that other person by bringing it to their attention because you must remember when, when no offense, when an offense is taken, when no offense was given, the, the one who took the offense becomes the offender. And so this hostility, this is, this is, this is the tool of the devil, is to separate brothers, to separate brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, sisters and sisters, a child of God. This is how it works. And uh, what is even more sad to me is that when folks dig their heels in and they choose being right over being righteous. But I, I, can, I can deal with that another time. But, but as someone who, who like you, is, has been on the receiving end of this, um, it's hard. And it's just part of life. But we're not to be hospital. We, we can't control. Listen to me. We can't control what other people do. We can only control what we do. And, and I struggle with it. I do. And this word ekthra is a word to, that I'm burning in my mind. And uh, because this, this is something that specifically in my own nature, my human fallen nature, is a problem for me. And uh, I wouldn't wish it to be a problem on anyone, but Paul recognized through the Spirit we all face this issue. And so if you're going to walk in the world, and if you want to be identified as walking in the world, you don't necessarily have to be a person that's out there in orgies and adulteries, but if you have hostility, you're walking after the flesh. That's what this text says. Okay? Now there's another word. There's another word. Notice he says the word hatred, and then there's the word contentions. This is the word eris, E-R-I-S, eris, okay? Eris means contention or strife or variance. Contentions, strife, or variance. Eris, E-R-I-S, very important that you understand it. As the word is defined, eris is the expression of enmity or hatred. So he talks about hatred and enmity and hostility. Well, that's in the heart and in the mind and in the gut, okay? Contention is the expression of it. That's where eris is. So ekthra is inside, eris is releasing what's on the inside to the outside. It is the expression of ekthra, hostility, hatred, and enmity. It is making contentions, strife, and variance. So it is the expression of enmity or hatred. It is the outcome in actual life of the state of the mind. Okay? My children 
and my wife and, and those who know me most intimately know that, you know, I'm kind of like an open book per personally. Um, folks can just usually tell what I'm thinking. I'm not, a, I'm not very good at hiding it. Um, this word heiress uh, to me is just kind of like a arrow pointing at me of my error and uh, um, the expression of what I'm thinking. My mother even told me, she said, don't say everything that you're thinking. And uh, I know that, that those have heard me say that before, say amen. Uh, his sermons would be shorter. <laughs> and so other versions translate the word heiress as wrangling or quarreling or fighting or discord. Paul used this word to describe one of the evils that was characteristic of the pagan world. Turn over to the left to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 where he talks about being given over. And he says in verse 28, And even as they did not like, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them to a debased mind to do the things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, and so on and so forth. The idea is that this word is being used of what pagans are like. Paul uses it in Romans 1 when he talks about those given over to a depraved mind, those who are the absolute lost, they'll never be saved. That's what they act like. Sadly, however, it can, it can describe many that uh, you know, existed in the church in that day, and, and sadly, I would have to say, exist even now. Uh, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible says right here, for it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are heiress, there are contentions among you. So people are giving full vent to their anger, to their attitude, to their behavior. They're giving full vent to the things they are thinking in their mind. The hostility in their heart is becoming hostility in their actions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, he says, For you are still carnal, for, there, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal in behaving like mere men? There it is. It, this is something that is completely to be avoided. So where does it start? It starts in the heart. It starts in the mind. And then the will just gives full vent to it. So it starts with ekthra, and then there's eris. Full vent to it. Have you, have you ever found yourself saying, you know, I want to tell you something, but I shouldn't say it? <laughs> um, let me give you some advice. Don't say it. Um, just bite your tongue. Um, but a discerning person will know, especially that understands the concept of ekthra, that you are just about to eris. You are about to side on the side of eris. You are going to speak it out, and so there's something deeper. If you have a good Christian brother and sister or sister that's a friend, uh, they'll catch you on this. Uh, they'll say, what, what, do we need, what do you need to deal with? How can I help you? Uh, 
get out of you this 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 pain, this sorrow, this poison that's in you that you're about to give flight to with your words. Um, and so, uh, understanding and dealing with this sin is the second part I'd like to say about this. This particular sin invades the church more often, perhaps, than many others. Uh, because of our tendency to categorize sin, we may allow this one to linger and fester more than such sins as fornication and adultery. Um, yet this sin is most destructive of Christian fellowship. Um, this is how you separate good friends. This is how you separate uh, people that are pulling on the same team. Um, it will destroy a local congregation as will any sin of moral impurity. Um, I, I was reading an article the other day that, that I wanted to bring with me tonight and share, but I think I can remember it. It's an article written to church leaders and to pastors about people that are difficult, um, that, that, that are destructive to your congregation. And, and I could have written the article um, as any pastor worth his salt and experience could, but it was good to see a layman write it. But one, one person, it's said that's very destructive to congregation is a whisperer, a person who leans over and whispers uh, while church is going on. And I'm, I'm not talking about, hey, would you go get me a Kleenex or do you have a mint? I'm talking about, nah, I don't, I don't agree with that, you know, or a whisperer. And, and uh, it, it causes a problem, especially when the speaker's speaking. I don't know about you. We weren't allowed to do that in school. But a whisperer causes a problem. Another person that causes, usually we'll call a pr problem in a church, is a person that's on the fringe, a person that stays off to the side watching everybody. They're judging everything, but they don't, they don't put their back into it. They don't put their hand in it. They're just on the fringe. They're not involved. Um, they, 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 they say a good thing, they, they, they smile well, but they're on the fringe. They're not with you, and they're not of you. They're on the fringe. Um, by the way, you can really read all of this right back there in Romans chapter 1, beginning verse 28. Another person is, that'll cause trouble in a church is those who are aggressively pursuing position. Um, they come to church wanting to be a leader. At, a, at the journey, we, we just we have to watch you for nine months. Uh, you, you have to be faithful in your attendance. You have to be faithful in your giving. You have to do more than just Sunday worship. Uh, we're, we're just different. We want to make sure you, you, you know, you have, to, you have to be able to be disagreed with agreeably. Um, I, I have found that the folks that I have trusted the most in my ministry are folks that I've actually um, had a conflict with, and just like with not all of them, I want you to know, but but it's just like a weld. When you take a piece of metal and break it in two, when you weld it back together, it's stronger than it was before. And those who uh, who are pulling the same direction with me, and and we may disagree how to get there, and you may have some sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Those those are some. I mean, some of my closest friends. I've had the, I've 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 had to give the worst apologies to. And, and vice versa. And, uh, but those who, who can't handle the conflict, they, they move on. And, and you have folks that, that are, they want to be in leadership. They don't get what they want, and they leave. And then there's the last one. 
and uh, this one might surprise you that can be the most destructive and, hospital, and, and hostile to the church, and it's the church hopper. Um, my, my blessed son and, and uh, co-laborer in Christ, he and I were talking about just, you know, our, our, just the vision we share for our church. And, and one thing that, that I think I say a little bit different than he does is, but we, I think he means the same thing, is, and he's on the other end of this camera, so he can nod if I'm right or wrong, if he understands it, but we'd really like to see the, church, the journey church grow by conversion, um, not really by church hoppers, not by transplant growth, um, you know, where people are looking to be fed. It's not our job to make sure you're fed. It's our job to preach the Bible. And, uh, and then you're to respond accordingly. It's not our job to grow the church. Uh, no shepherd ever reproduced a sheep. Sheep reproduce the sheep. No shepherd builds a, a, a church building. The sheep do it. It's our job to equip the saints for ministry. And church hoppers, uh, they, don't, they don't stay around. They just hop around. And uh, they're very destructive to a congregation. And a wise shepherd has to recognize that as he leads because his job is to keep hostility at bay in the church, whether it be through ekthra, there's enmity in the heart, and calling it out and correcting with correction, rebuke, and reproof, or it is to discipline because there has been the heiress, there has been the discipline, there has been the outworking of it. And so um, let, me, let me just finish this way. Overcoming contentions begins with realizing that it is often the expression of hatred or enmity which has no place in the heart of the Christian. So if you express it, it's because it's in your heart, okay? That's all there is to it. It's not a flashing moment. It's in your heart. You've been dealing with this. You've been harboring it. And it is illustrated as I showed you in the case of Corinth. The key then is to exalt Christ as Lord and let His attitude and example govern our dealings with one another. So go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, it says in verse 2, it says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, verse 5, it says right here, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for, for Jesus' sake. Okay, so he's talking about the church isn't for him. He's for the church. Okay, so he's not, he says we're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Jesus. We want to know Him and Him crucified and exalt Him. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. Chapter 2, 3 through 5, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ. Okay? And then it talks about the great self-emptying of Christ, the, the kenosis, the emptying of Jesus. And so, to come to the earth. So, in conclusion, notice... Again, the brief definition, ekthra, is enmity or hostility that one may harbor in one's heart towards another. So this is something that is unseen by the world. 
but it is seen by God and it is known by you. You have it in your heart. Ekthra. However, Eris contentions, one is hatred, enmity, and hostility. Eris is contention, it's strife or quarreling that results from the hostility and the hatred and the enmity that's in your heart. That's when the world sees it. That's when you let it out. I want to tell you something. You don't have to ever worry about letting it out if you never harbor it in your heart. Amen? If you don't get hostile, if you don't get hatred, if you don't get enmity in your heart to begin with, then you don't have to worry about it coming out. And you'll have a, you'll have a pure heart. Okay? Um, that's such, that such sins keep us out of the kingdom of heaven just as easily as fornication, idolatry, and sorcery ought to cause us some serious reflections about our spiritual growth. Now, I want you to remember this. I want you to see this. I'm not making this up. Look at verse 19 again as I conclude. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions. Then go over here to verse 21. And he says, Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It would seem to me that in the Christian church, the visible Christian church we live in today, teaching so deeply on such a subject would probably make the news as local pastor widens the definition of sin, just like it did 39 years ago when Pope John Paul II said it from the Vatican. Well, it's been said for 2,000 years. We know who wrote the Bible. It was the Holy Spirit. And in this case, we know that, that, that this is, that we are, since we started this study, we truly face these challenges in our Christian life. This concept of ekthra and eris may not affect you, but let me tell you something. It terribly affects me. Um, this is something I cannot uh, deny that is an issue with me personally. And I'm going to tell you something. This message has encouraged my heart for a couple reasons. One is, it didn't sound like this when I wrote it. Uh, number two is that if God tells me not to do something, then He has provided the way for me to not do it. And as I just told you, and as I have to tell myself, I have to think on Christ and His righteousness. You know, I know people get offended with me, and I get offended with people. Um, that's, just, that's just our sinful nature. But as an example to people, I'm not to do that. And the more I focus on Christ, the less it will happen to me, and things won't bother me as much as they would otherwise. Do you know what that means? It means that when we walk in the Spirit, we do the things of the Spirit. But when we walk in the flesh, we have this hostility and we have the outworking of that hostility. So I hope you'll join me in overcoming this challenge. I mean, because it is a challenge. And thank God that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And thank God that He doesn't have that hostility or enmity 
against us. He solved the problem through His own blood. It is not a matter of simply abstaining from the big sins some people might call big sins. Uh, it's a matter of undergoing a complete transformation of character. This, these are, again, as I taught, told you, these are, this is the law of love. These are infractions on the law of love. And love has everything to do with the building of our character. And, it is, and, and so the transformation of our character is made only possible as we submit to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And for example, go check out the message on... Uh, uh, that uh, I, I preached a uh, previous Sunday on September the 6th, and it deals with the two ways to take care of this, illumination of the Spirit and obedience to the Spirit of God. Illumination and obedience. It just goes hand in glove. I just love how the Lord is teaching us through this concept of preaching through the Bible. And as, all, as Paul wrote to the brethren in Rome, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As you are seeking to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It begins with the washing and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit as found in Titus 3, 5 and John 3, 5 and Mark 16, 16. If this is a challenge for you, this whole effort of this hostility and giving bent to it, showing it, I just want you to, I want to pray, I want you to pray with me as we conclude and ask God to, to be glorified in our repentance to grant us godly sorrow and, and to grant us repentance uh, for this sin that we may walk in unconditional love and we may walk in the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit by renewing our minds. Would you pray with me? Father, I do thank you for this message. It really speaks to my own heart. I thank you for these two powerful Greek words that uh, tell us um, so much beyond what we understand in our own English. And I thank you for this inspired text. I thank you that it tells us that we're to flee this hostility and enmity and, and uh, hostility in our heart. And, and that above all, we are never to express it in the contentions and factions and variances. I pray, Father, with those who, like me, struggle with this. I ask, Father, that you, first of all, give us godly sorrow for this sin, for this is a sin against you. As the psalmist said, against you and you alone have I sinned. And to do these things is to sin against your holiness, your righteousness, your goodness. And it is to sin against the, com the clear command of Scripture. I pray that you grant us godly sorrow. Father, we're caught. We have been found out. Um, as it says in the Bible, your sins will find you out. Lord, some of us are found out tonight hearing this word. Our, our sin is laid bare before us. And we pray, Father, together through godly sorrow that you will turn us from this sin, turn us away from the ekthra and the eris, 
turn us away from the enmity and the hostility, Lord, and the hatred, and turn us from the variances and the contentions and factions, and Lord, turn us to Jesus. We turn from sin and self and turn to Christ alone as we repent of this. And Father, we renounce it. We renounce hostility. We renounce factions. We renounce this hatred. We renounce the, these infractions of the law of love, asking you, Father, to grant us repentance and, Father, to grant us uh, the cleansing of all unrighteousness. As you have said, you will forgive us if we confess our sins. So, Lord, we thank you for the work you have accomplished and are accomplishing, and we give you praise as we may see the results of it very soon in our own life and take courage that you indeed have begun the good work and are faithful to complete it. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us tonight. I hope you have a great rest of your week.